I'm going to give the people what they want. Sensation, horror, shock. Well, you don't have to spit in my eye, do you? Now, let's do this a little faster. Yes, that's it. Throw it away. I want you to get naked so you can tell me the truth about my money. Have you ever heard anything so awful? <laughs> Bert! What do you know about that? This is Bradley J. Cornish, and this is Movies from Hell. <laughs> Movies from Hell is a podcast I do with my good friend Dan Pullen. Hey, Dan. Hey, You're Bradley. a liar, Anthony. I'm just kidding, you guys. Let's be serious. Hi, this is Anthony M. King, and this is the Cult Movies Podcast. The Cult Movies Podcast is a show I do with my good friend Kristen Lipska. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Anthony. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I like that. Uh, any listeners that that get what we're doing congratulations you listen to two very fine podcasts uh the other the other of you that most of you that don't understand what's going on uh, we'll catch up um <laughs> i'm being super goofy here because we're doing our first cult movie stars episode of the season uh but this one we're going to do it a little different what Kristen and Vinny and i did last season we did a couple where one of us would pick a star from uh, Danny Perry's cult movie stars books, and then the other two would pick, each of us would pick a movie, and we'd deep dive on those two movies while also talking in general about that actor's career. And uh, But this one is extra special because we're going to be talking about the greatest actor of all time. Uh, I beg your pardon, Dan? Uh, he came onto the scene in 1972. <laughs> he worked steadily for 20 years, and then he said, "Peace out. You'll never hear from me or see me ever again." Uh, that actor, my favorite actor, is Marjo Gortner. And instead of just picking two out of the 21 movies he was in, we're going to talk about all 21. Uh, I'm kidding, kind <laughs> of, but we are going to talk about the man in general. And joining Kristen and I, well, first off, Kristen, hi, welcome back to season four. How was your, your season break? Thank you. I mean, you're doing all the work here, so. <laughs> uh, it's Great. easier. It's, it, it's, uh, it's nice to have uh, support, though. For the first show, we, uh, Vinny was here, so it was nice to be able to just lean on him and, and look at his face and know that things will be okay. And so I'm going to do the same with you. Sometimes you're just going to see me gazing into the camera, and okay. I'll have to snap. Okay. I'll try to step it up. Okay, thanks. Uh, so joining Kristen and I are two very stately gentlemen. Uh, as a matter of fact, they have become my favorite of the stately gentlemen in the world. That is Bradley J. Cornish and Daniel Q. Poland from Movies from Hell. Hello, gentlemen. Wow. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was, that was an and, intro. <laughs> and I know it's I know it's extremely reliable because Marjo Gortner is the greatest actor in the world. 
it's true. So you you saying that Dan and I are the most stately gentlemen in the world? It's got to be true. Still right. haven't heard a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, do you think I fooled the audience, Bradley? Did they? Do you think they thought I was you at the top of the show? Mm, <laughs> I think so. You fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been I've I've had this recent inflection where I'll go. My name is Bradley J. Yeah. lately. So you you didn't have that part. No, so I I thought I did it pretty good because I remember that episode with Heather, the last episode of the the uh, roll in the summer of roll in. Uh, you you guys really hung on that for a minute. And uh, and I thought okay. And so I was sitting down here twenty minutes before uh, getting online here. Practicing, Bradley J. Cornish. Bradley J. Cornish. That'll be a special feature release That's at right. some point. Yeah. Um. Anyways, guys, I'm super excited. We've been planning this for a long time, and I'm looking forward to this. Um. So we here at Cult Movies Podcast and Movies from Hell, as a matter of fact, have been celebrating Mar July, and even though this <laughs> this episode. It's going to be released in the wild in August. We're recording it in July, so it still counts, right? Still counts. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, but I, I was thinking, why stop at Mar-July? Why not well, Margus? Because you already watched all the Marjo. <laughs> you you can celebrate Marjo. You got Margus, Martember, Martober, Marcember. You're Mar- going to start over. Marnuary. <laughs> you got, you got Marbuary. You got March, right? March. It's the easiest one, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why not? You can celebrate Marjo Gortner. You should celebrate Marjo Gortner every month of the year. Um, real quick here, I want to get everybody's introduction to Marjo. Where did you see him, hear about him first? Let's start with Dan. You know, I really, I can't pinpoint it. I think I saw... Uh, probably three or four Marjo Gortner films before I realized like, Oh, this is that same guy. And I think Bradley um, talking about the documentary is what sort of cemented it and, and really made me uh, notice who he was and, and taken uh, to account his performances and things like that. That's cool. What about you, Bradley? But maybe, maybe the first one was star crash. Okay. Bradley. Um, I, you know, maybe I, I may have met Marjo Gortner at an evangelical church at one point in my life, which I was uh, subject to for many years as as a young, as a teen, young teen and a youngster. So, hey, there you go. That's uh, that that was one of the most horrifying periods of my life. So I completely related to Marjo when I saw his documentary and it's fucking brilliant. Mm. The, the documentary, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> the, I saw that after I saw Hellhole. Okay. Oh, Hellhole. Nice. Yeah. That was only probably three, maybe three and a half years ago. Yeah. And uh, when I saw that, he immediately stood out to me. So I'm like, I'm going to check out this guy online and see if he has any nudes and uh, no nudes, but no, I didn't. Why did that? <laughs> see, this is why the pictures help. 
you guys you guys are fine but dan's laughing <laughs> so i'm like i i know i did good with the uh, marjo mute thing joke I, but anyway i was buying uh, into it yeah so I, I looked him up online and i'm like what the fuck there's there's a documentary about this guy and won a fucking academy award not that that mattered that actually takes it down not your kid <laughs> but <clears throat> it won an academy award i'm like what the what's the deal and I watched it. It was fucking blown away. And, uh, you know, actually surprised that I hadn't heard more about him because the documentary is so explosive. Mm -hmm. And uh, you would think it would have, like, maybe changed the trajectory of things in, in the country. But no. Yeah. <laughs> It's like this was this way, like before and after Marjo. Right. Didn't didn't happen. Yeah. 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 So I like I, I started watching more movies of his and frankly, only got a few of his movies in until uh, we decided to do the uh, the Gordon thon. Sweet. And what about you, Kristen? What was your intro to Marjo? I feel like I didn't hear the name until you told me we were doing this episode, <laughs> but. I had seen Star Crush before, um, and then I had Marjo, the documentary, like, sort of on my radar as a thing I wanted to watch, but I didn't know there was, like, a connection. Yeah. So, yeah. I did, however, see the H.G. Wells Food of the Gods movie at the drive-in as oh. a 10-year-old. Oh, nice. And... At the time, even, this is how much of a dick I am. I thought the movie was kind of a piece of shit. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know? And uh, I was like, two, what, two years away, Dan, from... <laughs> watching <laughs> hardcore? Yeah, watching our, our <laughs> hardcore and the flesh for Frankenstein and all that other stuff. But uh, uh, but back then, as, as a budding anti cinema person or whatever i was becoming the uh uh food of the gods i thought was a really bizarre movie and uh, i have not rewatched that so technically i was exposed uh gortner exposed himself to me back in 1976 <laughs> we don't want to sully the man's good name uh for me i just discovered him uh i think at the end of last year i was uh catching up with the late great Mike McPadden's podcast. Um, and they did an episode on like toxic masculinity. And they, one of the films they talked about was pray for the wildcats. And I thought, Oh, this is interesting. And then I recorded an episode with you guys. And then we got to know each other, start talking more over DMS and Bradley, you, had mentioned the doc, the documentary. And I went and watched that and I was just completely blown away. You know, being uh, a former uh, child um, or youth pastor and not in, in that sort of uh, Pentecostal circuit, but, but, you know, seeing behind the curtain of, of how churches work and everything, I thought it was just absolutely fascinating. And like you, I thought, Holy fuck, nothing has changed. It's crazy. So, um, you know, let's get all, all, all of us get on the ho bus and we are off to Marjo land and let's start with the documentary. 
came out in 1972. Well, actually, first, let me say... Could, could you explain to the audience why you just said, let's all get on the hoe bus? Uh, they should know. Bunch of hoes they are. No. Uh, Marjo <laughs> released a record in 1973 or 74. I just, uh, I just want my re- it to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> That it's not because Dan and I are hoes. Okay? <laughs> Even though they well. are. No, uh, Marjo released a record of originals and covers in 1973 or 74 called Bad But Not Evil, which is a quote from the documentary. And the uh, first track on side A is a song called Hobus. And even listening to the song, you can't tell what the hell a Hobus is. But it's a pretty damn good song. I really like it. Um, So, you know what? Fuck it. that's that's a whole bus uh you don't know what it is but we're getting on it and we're going to talk about um actually yeah we'll talk about the doc first and then and then we'll talk about these books real quick um but 1972 freelance writers uh from new york and <laughs> real life lovers howard smith and sarah kernochin uh were approached by marjo and it's it's conflicted either it's, uh, no one really knows what happened it's sort of like listening to william friedkin tell stories you never right. know uh, who's telling the truth here marjo says they approached him they said marjo approached them it doesn't matter we got the documentary nevertheless but uh so they went out and they followed him marjo was a child preacher and he was hard up for money and he got back on the tent revival circuit and was going around preaching and had this documentary crew follow him. And Bradley, like you said, it, it, it goes to win an Oscar, which, again, it who cares? But uh, it's amazing to me that nobody, not many people have seen this documentary. And why, why isn't it in, you know, why don't we have some beautiful Blu-ray of it from, you know, God knows who, whatever company. Um, which is weird because the rights actually, Sarah Kenochin has the rights to the film. So, you know, hopefully she doesn't take it to her grave, but who knows what happens. Um, but so let's, let's start with the documentary and, and Marjo's childhood here. Uh, he was a child preacher at four years of age. He married a couple. He was born, um, uh, by C-section because he had the, the, the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. So his parents uh, assumed he was like blessed from God and immediately just threw him up in front of people and said, you're going to be a preacher and took him all around the country. And it, it sounds like the, 
absolute worst lifestyle to be raised in. It's a nightmare. It's I mean it, it's a, it's a bit of a horror show, really. Uh, let's get uh, yeah. Let me hear your thoughts on the documentary. He got a lot of kisses from old ladies, though. It sounds like. <laughs> he yeah. sure did. Which it sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, uh, you know Dan's thoughts are usually uh, the best thoughts. Oh boy! So I, that's a good place to start. You know, I I don't have very very many like complex thoughts about this or anything very deep. It's it. Um, we've talked about religion a bunch of times on our show and all of our uh, upbringing and stuff. I was raised Catholic. I eventually became disillusioned uh, with the church. And, you know, it, it wasn't, I didn't see the, the Dan said the, having a hard time gathering his thoughts. <laughs> Because this was such a such a uh, traumatic period of his life, his, the Catholicism. Uh, hey Dan, um, since uh, since you're having a having a psychological breakdown right now, I could I could go ahead. Okay, you 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 take it, Bradley. <laughs> okay, I, I think you can, can. I think you can mute him, maybe. I don't know, but um, I mean, it sounds hilarious. <laughs> oh, there he is. Hi, Dan. Hey, Dan. <laughs> oh no. Okay, oh, no. Dad, look, I'll I'll go. So, uh, so a little bit of a technical issue with with Dan, which, you know. Uh, from the from the sound. <laughs> okay, is it mute? Yeah, I I have him muted now. <laughs> okay, okay, I don't. That's a problem. Okay, so here are my thoughts on on the Marjo documentary. I think it it is a victim of its own uh, prescience. You know, it's like permanently prescient. Sure. And uh, if I pronounce that right. And uh, it is so pointed and so realistic and so true and so biting. It's like uh, asking a meat eater to watch a, a, a PETA slaughterhouse expose. You know, you aren't going to get your average meat eater watching a PETA slaughterhouse expose. <laughs> right. And I think this is one of those things like like Lil Debbie's. You know, you got, a, we have a family reunion coming up. Uh, it's like first week every year in August. And basically it's just a let's see who died or is getting close to dying because he didn't take care of himself. Right. <laughs> So it's like, not only do you have like scientific facts, like your own body telling you stuff, but you literally see the people around you dropping like flies because they can't <laughs> stop eating little Debbie's, you know? <clears throat> so and the, the American way <laughs> is to get, is to get reamed, reamed by uh, hucksters, 
snake oil salesman. I mean, if it's kind of what we're what we're built on is uh, I mean, really, it's uh, I mean, these days, uh, it almost seemed without getting too deep, like the American way might even be snake oil. Right. Period. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> but people don't want to see this shit. You know, they don't want to be told that what they do, you know, on the weekends, what their life revolves around and what makes them happy and comfortable, you know, because they can go to a place where there's uh, people just like them, you know, people not not like them are there. Like uh, you don't have uh, any of them. Uh, scary homosexuals and transsexuals all around you <laughs> right. raising a ruckus, yeah. you know, and they want to go to church and they want to feel like they're special and they want to pay through the fucking nose through it and give it to a fucking weirdo creep like Kenneth Copeland and make him a billionaire and help him buy Learjets right. because they're too afraid to look at their own creepy selves, you know, for, for what is really going on. Right. So then when, and this, this just hit me today. Yeah. That's why I'm so excited about it. (laughs) Normally don't get this excited, but um, yeah, it just hit me. It's like, fuck, you know, it's like I, when I was uh, listening to the doc again, while I was driving and uh, I was like, you know what? We need to take this documentary and just like, do like free shows, you know, across the street from, from evangelical churches. So the evangelical churches could be exposed and everything's covered in the document, you know, all the tricks of the trade, uh, you know, all the dinners he was having with the church leaders, you know, the counting of the money, him sitting on the bed, counting the money. Right. Yeah. And even, even, a lot of the things that might not apply to a modern church, things that do apply to modern churches are these kind of bogus missionary things, you know, where they might need $50,000 to actually go build a shack in in Botswana or something like that. And they get, you know, three and a half million dollars, right. You know, they pocket it. So that's kind of like the modern, modern evangelical bullshit thing. So everything is covered in there you know, and everything to show these folks, but they, they, it's almost like they know it's true, you know, but they don't want to be told right. what well, they already know is true because they dig it yeah. in some creepy way. Yeah. Well, so I, that's my take on it. I, I think it, 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 it proves that this was, and has been exposed even before this, like, you know, everything's, everybody's been called out. You've, we've heard the truth and like uh, these uh, pastors being exposed, uh, you know, like the the fall of Hillsong Church. Um, there's a great documentary on mm-hmm. um, on uh, Discovery Channel. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah, that was great. Great. You know, it it's going on, but I think you nailed it on the head, Bradley. People they might know, but they just don't care. They they want or they need something to believe in, and that as simple as it gets i'm 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 fine with that because being being an aa right i i have myself have a higher power i need something right. to believe in so i get that 
Um, and so I, you know, you could set up a tent across the street from, you know, even like the church of Scientology. I wouldn't do that because they will come out and kill you. But, um, right. And like expose everything or show a doc, whatever, uh, immediately chloroform. Right. Exactly. But it, it again, won't do anything because people are going to believe what they want to believe. Um, oh, Kristen, I want to get to you. You, did you get to watch the documentary for this? Yeah, I did. Okay. For and the- just to- for the first yeah. time, right? Yes. Okay. And just to to add on to what y'all are saying, like at some points, like you kind of feel bad for people like giving their money. And then at some point I was like, well, like, like I like to go to a movie. I know the movie isn't right. real. So it's like, that's fine. They're right. just paying for his like incredibly high energy performance. He's working (laughs) hard. So yeah, Um, this, the documentary does some cool things. Like I like that, how it's like showing the crew scene at the beginning to show like the production of the documentary. And then it's about, you know, the production of whatever these are called yeah. tent revivals tent i also yeah. i have like zero religious background so <laughs> you're like the only uh, one in the group then yeah uh so who knows what i'm saying but <laughs> <laughs> in the the in one so that that was cool um but then there's a seat so that starts with kind of like going over marjo's like youth uh pastorness and then it has like this scene of him talking to the documentary crew and so in that scene I heard something that like ruined my expectations for the rest of the documentary I thought part of the documentary was going to be him revealing his own beliefs to his audience because at the beginning they're like talking about this guy's hair and he's like yeah you should wear a wig because you have long hair and people will be freaked out and he's like yeah at the end i'll like take it off right and show and so i was like oh oh they're gonna like this documentary is about how he's gonna like go to the audience and whatever say what's really happening so i kept waiting for that and it never (laughs) happened and so yeah it would but it would be it probably would have got a different rating because they would have been like a a live murder (laughs) yeah we yeah it would have been like cannibal holocaust but for real yeah these these congregants rushing rushing up to say you know i i i don't know why but i forgot about that i've seen the documentary like half a dozen times now and and i'll tell you what kristen i that if they would have done that because that because this is a highly regarded documentary i was like oh this is why oh gotcha i i probably would have if that were to happen at the end i probably would have hated this movie because i would have felt so uncomfortable or or something i would have anticipated it oh yeah sure i would have hated it I would have hated it and been like, wow, this is really weird. So, okay. Well, (laughs) here's what I'm really interested in. Um, Dan, I hope your things don't break on this. Dan, after watching it, not, not judging Marjo on his acting performances or anything else, just the documentary. Do you see him as a good person, a bad person, an evil person? Um, you know, I, I, I don't I don't see him as a bad person. I, I see him as somebody who, um, you know, the, he 
he got thrust into this this life, right? And at some point, you know, he he found himself wandering, right? You know, so he's, he's a child preacher. That whole thing falls apart. His family life falls apart. He gets married and, you know, right? And eventually he's like, look, I, I guess I could make money again uh, doing this. And I, I don't blame him for that, you know? Um, I mean, it's not the, it's not the best thing in the world. It'd be like being a pool hustler, right? Sure. Like, you know, that's not cool, but you know, you got a skill and you're using it. Okay. And, and that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. What about you, Bradley? What, what are your thoughts just on, based on the documentary, uh, your thoughts on Marjo? Well, he is, uh, one of those things he was talking about was, all throughout his childhood, even though people were saying he's like miracle kid and old ladies were giving him tongue kisses and all that stuff, you know, for $20, <laughs> really creepy <laughs> stuff. But um, uh, even though all that was happening, he said he never felt special, like, or endowed by, by God or anything yeah. like that. It never went to his head, which is why I think eventually he ended up where he he was with the expose yeah. uh, and he by by Satan saying that it it never went to never went to his head um, just really uh, made it made it so he was never uh, God, what it it just made me think about what a fucking strange experience yeah that that would be you know because i mean kids are smart you know uh fucked up stuff you know that happens to kids you know done by adults you know whether it be abuse or just general shittiness or worse things uh the adults might think that the kids don't get it but the kids do get it yeah and oftentimes uh they are really uh solid in themselves and who they are you know, and uh, they just do what they do to survive, basically, yeah. which is what Marjo did. Yep. You know, so he was uh, uh, he was never uh, taken away by the accolades, by the adulation, you know, by all that stuff, you know. And I did, so by the time it got to the point where he's 18 and he told his mom, I don't do this anymore. Right. Like just immediately. I don't want to do this anymore. And she's like, okay, she couldn't, she couldn't say anything about it. But the, uh, the fact that he got back into it later shows that he had zero, uh, emotional connection to it. Yeah. And he also didn't, because of the fact that he did not have a spiritual connection to the business, his, his impression was probably that it was a hundred percent business. Yeah. So if he were getting back into it and these people are already paying for it, it's probably just like what I was saying. He probably had that understanding. Yep. People want to pay for this. This is the entertainment they want. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just an entertainer. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think there's anything he should uh, feel guilty about or, you know, and, and really I, almost feel like you know aside from the fact that you know 
taking money from old ladies and stuff, <laughs> you know, which really, even that's not taking money from them, you know, because they might have $200 in a cookie jar, you know, that they were saving, you know, to send somebody to community college. This is the fifties or something, I guess. But, uh, and, uh, you know, they decide to donate that money to Marjo's revival tent thing. Yeah. And it immediately cleanses them of all their faults. Yeah. You know, it's like, I was not able to send her to community college or the other 20 kids I should have done stuff for, but I gave $200 to the church. I gave it to God, which, you know, cleanses me, you know, so it's all agreements. Right. You know, and I think, I think he really, he really understood that uh, from being a young man. So this documentary is not just about a weird kid who ends up being the world's greatest actor. (laughs) Stop it, all of you. uh, It's true. through, Through this whole process, it's also about how we, we make deals, you know, uh, and these deals are often based on complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's re- it really, it really gets you thinking. And I've been thinking about this documentary ever since I've seen it. I've actually, I've probably watched it eight or nine times Yeah, uh, since I originally saw it. Well, like I said, I saw it for the first time in February and I've watched it six times already. And it's not just because I'm obsessed with Marjo. I, it's just, it's, it, I mean, hands you down, are. it's a great, do- I am, but uh, it's a great documentary. Kristen, uh, after watching the doc, are you thinking this guy's a real piece of crap or what are your thoughts on him as a person? No, I think he's good. I actually really like the interviews with him and that's another thing I wanted more of rather than very, very long scenes of In uncomfortable the church, right? evangelism. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I think he's good. I think he, like, you can see him knowing who he is, but also, like, wrestling with who he is. I just think the interviews are really great. He's obviously charming. Um, yeah, I think he's good. The only thing that made me mad was the um, the woman preacher who showed up and asked people to only give money if it was like sacrificing something and oh that yeah made me mad. The, <laughs> that lady yeah yeah right only if it's a true sacrifice right like, like it's like come on lady they're just gonna give you money and that's fine you know what don't, like what? don't like ramp it up and make it like a weird yeah <laughs> like now you really have to ruin yourself to give me money I, that <laughs> right. was the only thing that yeah. made me mad and that wasn't marjo so I'll yeah. she, was a, she was a that. white preacher in that black church, black church yeah which kind of freaked me out well yeah. and and she had been there for years and years like because marjo knew her when he was a kid and he's what 23 or 24 in this dock and so he's known her for like 20 years and she was there even then so uh i i also thought that was really interesting um and she just sat in her chair like right like uh gene scott if anybody knows who gene scott is <laughs> Yeah, You know, uh, the first, so this was my introduction to Marjo, um, like the first time I saw him, because I, I had heard of Pray for the Wildcats from the podcast, but I didn't watch it. So this is the first time I, I saw Marjo Gortner, and I'd never seen him in any of these movies up to this point. And, I mean, this dude was super cool. Obviously, he's charismatic. He is a hell of an entertainer. 
right? He's obviously, he knows what he's doing up there. He's been doing it for his entire life. And I thought the documentary uh, really, I mean, did what a documentary is supposed to do. It didn't condemn anybody. It just told the story. It showed what they were seeing, what the cameraman was seeing. And we saw that and it left it up to us to decide uh, what we saw. Is that good? Is that bad? But the interesting thing is we're left uh, questioning, is Marjo good, bad, evil, a saint, whatever? And it, we're all saying, no, we he's not. He, we don't think he's a bad guy or an evil guy. But we're also thinking what he was doing wasn't right. Right. But, you know, so I think it's really awesome how uh, these two directors put this thing together and, and showed it how it was. Um, so we're going to move on from that. I want to say the very first biography, not that anybody listening to this can see this, but the very first biography on Marjo came out a year after the movie. So in 1973, Stephen Gaines wrote the biography and it uh this is before marjo started acting so it's all about his childhood it goes deep on his parents his siblings and i i wrote up a a summary at f this movie that you anyone can go check out um that talks a little bit about the documentary but i spent most of the time talking about marjo's childhood which i learned from this book unfortunately it's out of print and only got one edition but you can find it for you know, 10 to 15 bucks still on eBay and stuff. So I, I highly recommend it. It is super entertaining, pretty short, um, and so interesting. And it, it wasn't until after I read this, I was just like, this fucking guy is a miracle. How did he survive a childhood like this without killing himself? I mean, uh, you know, anyways, um, and the, the other book I want to mention real quick before we get into his uh, filmography is this one called Wildcat. It's written by John Harrison, who's a great writer from Melbourne. He's part of that Melbourne film crew. Uh, Harrison covers his entire filmography. He writes about every TV appearance. He writes about his record. Um, he talks a little bit about uh, his childhood, but he, he quotes this book a lot, uh, quotes that original bio. Uh, I highly recommend if you're at all interested in Marjo and his filmography, it, these are great essays on every single one of these films that Marjo was in, which we're going to get to right now. Some we'll, we'll just touch on some we can spend more time on. We'll just kind of do whatever you guys want to do. Um, but we're going to go chronologically if you don't mind. And we're, we're going to meet Telly Savalas in his first appearance as Theo Kojak uh, in 1973, Abby Mann, the creator of Kojak, wrote a feature-length pilot uh, called The Marcus Nelson Murders, uh, and it was directed by Joseph Sargent, who did uh, Pelham 123, Jaws, The Revenge, White mm. Lightning, The Man is a great movie with James Earl Jones. You should watch that. Um, has Did anyone get to watch this one? I did not. Okay. Nope. You did? I watched it. Did you like it, Kristen? 
It was okay. It was very long. Yeah, it's over two hours. Yeah, to think that it, this, I mean, this was like a, this well, it had takes to have been Kelly Savalas like five minutes to get his sentence out. It's had to have been a three hour block on TV, you'd think, yeah. on that on CBS, but. Um, it's very procedural and it's like based on this true case. There's like a lot of courtroom. Scenes, what was Marjo's so. role in it? So, uh, w- this is based on the the Miranda case, the the case that created the Miranda rights. Okay, and so it starts off with this double homicide and rape uh, of these two college age girls, and then these cops approach this black teenager just standing on the street corner, and they pick him up for no other reason than he's black. They take him back to the station house and pressure him into confessing, uh, which he he didn't do anything wrong. And so they're holding him, and, and they go through the the whole courtroom proceedings. Well, this other drug dealer who Kojak knows says, you know what, I, I know who really killed those girls, and he fingers Marjo. And so Telly goes after Marjo, and Marjo is this junkie. Um, oh, wow. Who, yeah, this junkie hippie who, uh, and, and this is all shot on location in New York City, you know, in the early 70s. So fabulous photography, great settings. Mm. Uh, you know, they're they're in some of these rat hole apartments. It's really, really fun. Mm. You can watch it on YouTube. The whole thing's on YouTube. So uh, You know who I want to rename my rights? Marjo. Marjo, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, if I ever get my Miranda rights right. <laughs> uh but Marjo is he's really good. This is his first performance. Not just his first movie, but this is his first time in front of the camera and, and besides the documentary. And he is really, really good. And he, he's, let's see, he's got Telly Savalas, uh, Jose Ferrer, Ned Beatty, Alan Garfield, Lorraine Gary. Like, it's an all-star cast. It's stacked. And he's going toe-to-toe with these people. It's so good. I really, really enjoyed it. And I like, I grew up watching Kojak reruns, so it was really cool to see where it all began. Um, and I think Telly Savalas is such a cool motherfucker anyways. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed this one. It is a little lengthy, but it's Marjo. I, I yeah, did. Yeah. I think in, in uh, cult movie stars, Danny Perry says this is his best role but also in the in the blurb and cult movie stars he never mentions when you come in back red rider so right <laughs> maybe he never saw that movie but um it is like a it's i feel like it's his most like realistic role like maybe because he's playing a real person and it has more like it's not like some of these other movies that he's in are more genre movies mm, true um yeah yeah so yeah the marcus nelson murders it's on youtube i recommend it check it out um and then the next year the first one that comes out is another tv movie and that is pray for the wildcats written by jack turley it's directed by uh robert michael robert michael lewis and (laughs) and i'll tell you what when i was listening to mike and aaron talk about this on crackpot I wasn't totally sold on it um, because I, I don't know why. Let's listen to the cat, the four main guys, Andy Griffith, 
William Shatner, Robert Reed, Dad Brady, uh, Marjo. Okay, those are the four guys. And then the the ladies, their wives or significant others are Angie Dickinson, Janet Margolin, and Lorraine Gary. God, imagine that orgy. <laughs> uh I so this is one of my favorites. This is maybe number two or three on my Marjo oh, wow. list. It is super good. Did, has anyone seen this one? No. I haven't. I actually had this one next on my list to watch, but didn't didn't get to it. Okay, so this one is also on YouTube. Um and so Shatner, Reed, and Marjo, they work for this ad agency. And Andy Griffith is this big client they're, they're trying to land. And he says, okay, I'll give you my business if you come to the Baja Peninsula with me and we ride our dirt bikes 600 miles down the peninsula to the spot of land that I have marked out where I'm going to build my warehouse or whatever he's building. And Shatner has recently been fired but hasn't told anyone, including his colleagues or his wife, and he's his whole life has been about work and his boss is letting him do this final job. Uh, but Shatner's totally ruined. He's depressed and he takes out a huge life insurance policy and he says, OK, I'll go on the the trip with you. And he, he's planning on killing himself so his wow, wife okay. can collect this giant life insurance policy. So they go down there and it turns out. Does that really work? <laughs> I don't know. My wife took out a huge one on me, so I guess I'll let you know in the afterlife. Uh, Andy Griffith turns out to be a fucking psycho, and he, you know, always he, he does good. Uh, what's kind of scary character? Well, what what's the uh, what's the the loud not loudest man? Oh, uh, face in the crowd. Face in the crowd. Holy. Yeah. F- terrifying so this is oh yeah this is like a face in the crowd performance type of performance from andy griffith so good um and so he kind of terrorizes this couple which end up the the couple ends up dying and so now these guys are being investigated for murder and they're all trying to get away from him he's griffith has taken marjo under his wing and so robert reed and shatner are trying to convince marjo like no this guy's a psycho we need to turn him into the cops and Yada, yada, yada. The ending, which I'm not going to say. Sounds fantastic. uh, Yeah, wow. Somebody, I won't say who, somebody dies. Somebody dies. And and then the actual ending, the final scene, is like the saddest, most depressing, melancholy thing, which is my type of thing. And I was like, yes, this is exactly (laughs) how this fucking story would end. And it is which is like peak seventy four, like ninety <laughs> percent of the no exactly in yeah hor- in horribly. I mean the cynicism is just dripping from you know from even TV, but you know movies during that time. So it is. I highly recommend this, even higher than the the Kojak one. So uh, also on YouTube, yeah. check it out. Uh, and then we get to. A movie that I know the boys just watched, The Gun in the Pulpit. Kristen, did you get to watch this? Yes, I did. <gasps> yes. All right, Bradley, I'm going to have you synopsize The Gun in the Pulpit, if you can, please. 
Uh, there is a uh, a what 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 do you call them? a gunslinger <laughs> uh, and a, a, a top gunslinger uh, who is uh, and one of the best openings, you know, and the the guy who played the sheriff and and the crew around him was just I love the opening. And uh, so anyways, uh, the opening, uh, Gordon is getting ready to be hung. Okay, this is going to be a little spoily. You, okay. you know what? This was one of my picks from the previous episode, so go for it. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, so he's getting ready to get hung. Uh, and um, just obviously, it sounds like there's something bogus. But uh, the lady, lady runs up and says, uh, he didn't do it. And then uh, they say, okay, let him go. And then uh, she's like, okay, can I come with you now to, to Gortner? And he's like, oh, no, I'll, uh, I'll get back with you later. And then <laughs> she basically told, told all the guys in the posse uh, that uh, she lied. So they're off and running. Gortner, who's a very good horse rider. He is. The man is, and, uh, is full of he's talents. He's good at all the western stuff. He's good at everything, Bradley. Yeah. And uh, he kind of is. Hmm. But anyways, we'll get uh, we'll get to circus with the stars here. <laughs> I was just thinking yeah. that. <laughs> so uh, so he uh, is uh, escaping, finds a, uh, a preacher fella was shot with a hole in his back uh, and a note uh, saying, uh, I'm happy to come into town or something or like, no, this town asking for a preacher. Uh because I, I don't know if they mentioned that there's bad guy rule in the town. In, yeah. In the note. They, uh, not in that note. Not in that not note. Not in that note. So uh, anyways, uh, uh, he puts on a preacher's thing, which this was a TV pilot. Right. And it, it was actually a TV pilot. And uh, it it's really shitty. Uh, the only print I could find is really shitty, shitty in its TV format. Yeah. But um. And I couldn't see anybody's fucking facial expressions or anything hardly because <laughs> the print's so bad. But I was fucking glued to it. And because uh, it's a uh, 100% Marjo driven. Yep. Uh, he's surrounded by some kick-ass cowboys. Uh, Mr. Slim Pickin. Oh. What, what, what's his just... name? One-Eye or one-eye, <laughs> yeah. something something like that? One-Eye Jack or One-Eye Larry? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is... Uh, 1974 slim pickings so he's uh less slim more pickings i guess i don't know but he uh uh he's really like gruff and uh, he's fucking brilliant but uh anyways uh he gets in the he goes in town everybody thinks he's a real preacher he immediately hits on this 18 year old uh, which i get which i guess is like a old maid back in the west which there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. a lot of lines about uh, like twelve-year-olds getting widowed. Yeah, and right. Like really funny stuff. Weird. <laughs> yeah, but um, <clears throat> so he goes in town, and there's this guy who's been basically ruling the roost, uh, treating treating town like shit. I obviously enjoyed this, Dan. Dan, I didn't normally don't remember all this, shit. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he he uh, this guy uh, treats him like shit and uh, push him around and has turned everybody in town to coward. So Gort Gortner, uh, basically being being the dude that he is, a kick-ass gunslinger, uh, kind of slowly works town back to not being such 
such a bunch of pussies. And he also does does a lot of bitching stuff along the way. The coolest thing is he uh, he is dragged through fucking cactus, yeah. you know, and left to die. And uh, he didn't die, you know. He's found by by the uh, really horny eighteen year old girl, <laughs> and uh, a horny eighteen year old girl brings him back. And he says, "Don't tell anybody." I'm 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 still alive, so he turns into like a ghost, like a gunslinger ghost. And how fucking bitching is that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, so he's cool. uh, he's like murdering all the people, freaking out the bad guys, like the the leader of the bad dudes and the posse. And uh, eventually, uh, he goes in church and says, "Everybody, go to church!" And he reveals himself. You know, a uh, bunch of stuff happens, but one of the coolest scenes was when he was with was it uh john no is it larry ward uh who was the other gunslinger jeffrey, jeffrey lewis. lewis oh yeah oh, the oh, that is the best scene that's so yeah, funny jeffrey lewis and uh and this is i was i was i was doing a what what do the kids call it an lol during that scene <laughs> and uh a cartwheel and, I yeah i was laughing but uh, yeah, so there, there's like these the two world's greatest gunslingers, and they're face to face, and they both shoot simultaneously, and then they're just standing there for like a minute. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Were you hit?" And like, no, were you hit? And the guy's like, "Okay, I'm getting the fuck out of here," because <laughs> at this point, everybody thinks uh, Marjo is actually like sent from God, you know? Yeah, like to bring hellfire and brimstone on people. But uh, it ends in a, in a really great way. Uh, he leaves the horny, horny eighteen year old, and it kind of sets up where he kind of goes up on a hill and it turns around and goes eh, maybe. <laughs> and then that was supposed to be your beginning Lead of the series, in, yeah. Which that would have been a great series. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and he uh, and he it was obviously written for him, and it was uh, it was produced by Danny Thomas. And, mm-hmm. But but we're bearing the lead here. Who's the director, gentlemen? Mr. Daniel Petrie, our boy from Lifeguard. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even look at the. You didn't know that. Mr. Lifeguard himself, Daniel Petrie. Yep. Oh my God! No wonder I let. No wonder <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to fuck Marjo during the whole of the movie. You know? uh, okay, okay, Chris. Um, Kristen, what did you like this one? Yeah, this movie, it was okay. I kept being confused about if, uh, like, it seemed like he was going to be evil. I don't know, like, because he, he does the trick to not get hung, and then he steals a preacher's clothes, and then he, as soon as he gets to town, he's like, I'm this child. Right. <laughs> I guess she's yeah. 18. She's so 18. I was just, like, expecting him to be more evil, and then suddenly he was like, trying to help the town and so i was a little disappointed <laughs> but um kristen the, the old west is very confusing actually no, there's a yeah. lot of things going on modern that, times are confusing too, so. it's all confusing uh, uh, but yeah i think if you're interested in westerns it, it's like a and it's like an interesting example of a tv western 
too because it's like so tame right genre wise like oh yeah super dude but you you could tell how how kind of funny this would have been yeah i think especially with jeffrey lewis because I mean, that guy is fucking hysterical in almost everything he does. Dan, you just watched this for the first time too, right? Yes. And what did you think? You know, um, I, I loved it. And I think Kristen said it before. Marja Gortner is charming. Okay. And this, this whole movie is carried by his charm. Um, and it, because it just... Even when he's being a weirdo creep, I it's like, oh, that's oh, it's Marjo. And then you know, it's like, yeah. okay. I mean, it's not it's not okay. Never mind, it's not okay. But <laughs> it's you know, it, it it was such a feel-good, fun little movie. You know, I when I when I shut it off, I just I just kind of felt good. I was like, that was a that was a cute little movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I, I yeah. And sometimes think- you just need that. Yeah, I think a good having a good transfer of it would have helped. Yeah, <laughs> get a little yeah. more too. Well, I it maybe wouldn't have because it may it would have like looked even like TV yeah TV yeah we would have seen but like the strings and everything. See the right. facial expression. True, true. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. He, here's here's my question. We have Daniel Petrie, <clears throat> who is obviously a fantastic director, um, but he's got two movies in his filmography. The Gun in the Pulpit and Lifeguard with two men chasing after the young ones. What's going on here? Oh. Right? <laughs> hmm. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, let's not yeah, let's go. Let's go. Uh so I you know, I think we, we all agree the gun in the pulpit is well worth your time. It's it's really fun. It and that was was that on Tubi? Is that right? Yeah, and it's super lightweight. Yeah. You know, like it's like something you can because you can't fucking see anything anyways. <laughs> like while you're doing dishes or something, which is what I did. Probably do this. <laughs> dishes. He's doing dishes yeah. right now, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh the next one we won't spend too much time on unless you guys really want to, but that is and so we're still in nineteen seventy four here. Uh with Mark Robeson's Earthquake starring uh Chuck Heston. Everybody. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's one of your 70s disaster movies. It's it's one of the later ones, which is interesting. Uh, I, for me, the most interesting thing about this is that it was written by Mario Puzo. Who oh. who wrote um, The Godfather, right? Or, yeah. Um, Never heard of it. And. <laughs> is that a pop was that a popular uh tv show only cinephiles talk about the godfather we don't we don't belong in that club yeah. um and that mark Robeson was like you know a big val luden guy right with like the seventh mm-hmm. victim and ghost ship and uh bedlam is that the uh mm-hmm. the nuthouse one yeah uh so that you know back in the 30s and 40s he's a big val luden guy and here he is you know, 40 or 30 years later, and he's he's uh, getting on the disaster movie bandwagon really late. But um, I had never seen this before, and it, it was, you know, fine. I'm not a big disaster movie guy. 
Uh, oh, also, my favorite role in this was Walter Matthau as the super drunk guy at the end of the bar with a pimp hat. So, oh yeah, uh, and he's. But I think I think if they would have done kind of like an offshoot or just made the whole thing about Gortner being a psychotic loot looter murderer, right? You know, which was a fantastic scene. I so I good. saw this movie as a kid. But I rewatched that today. It's so it's so good. He is he is by far the most interesting thing in this movie. As much as I like George Kennedy, um, Marjo Gortner is the like he is walking toxic masculinity. Right? He's at the he's at the grocery store. He's, and he's sporting a really nice mustache, and he's bagging groceries and he's kind of eyeing this this chick and. Um, he's got his Marjo Gortner, you know, curly, small afro. And then he goes home and he's kind of bullied by the Vint brothers. Uh, two other guys I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with Alan Vint and, uh, who, oh, Jesse Vint, who's going to be coming up here in a minute. Uh, and then he, Marjo puts on that wig and then he goes downstairs and, and the earthquake happens and like he becomes unhinged. And like kills the bullies, right? He shoots the bullies with his other like uh, national guardsmen behind him, and they're like, "Oh, we're getting the fuck out of here!" And then he kidnaps uh, the girl who is who was that? That was Victoria Principal, I think. And it's completely bananas. It is. This, it's the, the script hmm. is bananas. And but like I said, that was the only interesting part of the movie for me. I could care less about chuck heston you know saving the day and all that but marjo playing this really unhinged character which we know will be coming up later in red rider so i thought that was really Mm -hmm. interesting that this this was kind of the first time he does he does something like that um and then i know we talked about this next one last season and i shocked you guys and told you about this movie where you could see linda carter's boobs but we're going to talk about it, and it's called Bobby... Just don't, just don't talk about her boobs, okay? <laughs> it's called Bobby Joe and the Outlaw, and uh, my good friend Dan Polin, can you introduce this movie and tell us a little bit about it? By um, avoiding the boobs the whole time. Yeah, yeah. We no. So it's like a Bonnie and Clyde, right? So um, Marjo's cool, and... Uh, uh, he's the outlaw, the titular outlaw. Oh, you said tit. <laughs> oh man, I did not even. Uh, see? See, I didn't even you inherently it. break the rules, Dan. <laughs> A boobular outlaw. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Be anyway. serious. Be serious here. Okay. So. Um, oh, you know, he, I'm he crying. rolls into town and Linda Carter uh, takes a fancy to him. She's working in like a grocery store. And she no, no, she's a, she she's work? a car hop. Car hop. Thank Had you. A drive oh, grocery store scenes later. Which, Sorry. Which were actually grocery stores back in the day. So you're right, Dan. Oh, really? Sorry. <laughs> no, okay. no I'm, I'm just protecting Dan. He needs protection. No, P <laughs> pop Bradley <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> so yeah, she takes off with him. And they go on, uh, you know, a, a spree, and there's uh, sex scenes and 
uh, murders and uh, like a a shootout and all that stuff. It's fun. It's a good movie. It is. It's uh, it's directed by Mark L. Lester and um, it's got uh, yeah Linda Carter. It's got Jesse Vint. It's got uh, and then they meet up with Linda Carter's or Bobby Joe's sister, played by Mary Lynn Ross. And then uh, she's she's with Jesse Vint, and it's a really weird situation. I feel like it's like uh, you know, I guess it was the swinging dirty seventies. I don't know. Everybody's like bathing naked together, and it's it's normal. Mm. Whatever. I'm not complaining. Uh, but yeah, I I really it's this is a fun one. This is a really fun movie. And uh, some super sketchy strippers in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that one scene. Uh, have Have you seen it, Kristen? Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I felt like I didn't understand any character's motivations. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. So, yeah, it was not <laughs> I was a little mad at it. But it does join Johnny Guitar in having some of the worst guitar playing acting uh, <laughs> on film <laughs> with Linda Carter. It's like she's True. never even seen someone. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, d- I did. The thing I liked about this movie is learning that people gambled on pinball games. Yeah. Which is oh, yeah. not yeah. something um, I could ever see happening today. It, I, it happened. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember. Uh, okay, so we are still in 1976 here with the next one. It's Acapulco Gold. Uh, has anyone seen this? I have not. Yeah, I, I actually watched this um, like a few months ago. Oh, like really? Before we even started talking about yeah. Gortner. What do you think? I think what? I, uh, it, this wasn't a great movie. I don't know. Right. I, I thought it was, I saw the title and I thought it was in part of, who's that guy who did like Picasso Trigger? And hard ticket to oh yeah and Andy Sedaris Sir- yes yeah. I thought it was I'm like oh this is look at that title it's got to be an Andy Sedaris well movie, and the right? the key art on on yeah. Prime is like a modern picture of a very tanned woman with big boobs in a gold bikini right. which yep. is nowhere in the movie no so so I was like ah you know I'm I'm in the mood for some trash and uh, you know I put it on and it was fine it was it was an okay movie I. I guess it wasn't. I don't. I remember almost nothing about it. He is. He's like a hapless. Well, character so he, he it, right? it starts with him. He's coming back from a vacation in Mexico, and and yeah. a nun runs up to him and gives him pinata. And then these drug agents run up to him. And they're like, "Hey, you're under arrest. There's drugs in that pinata." And so, like the the drug handoff, of course, went wrong. And so Marjo is detained and thrown into this nasty jail. And his cellmate is played by Robert Lansing, whom I love. You know, uh, Scalpel is is a f- fantastic movie. And I, I when I picture Robert Lansing, I picture him older, like in Scalpel, and really sinister. Mm. But in Acapulco Gold, he is he's much younger, and he's very uh jovial and funny and so he's he plays this kind of drunk washed up uh like yacht captain he was like an america's cup champion or something like that and 
so he's he gets out of jail and he's hired by this drug kingpin who says, I need you to pilot this boat to Hawaii for me. And Robert Lansing says, I'll only do it if I can have a first mate, that first mate being Marjo. So he springs Marjo from jail and they sail up to Hawaii. And all the while there's this kind of uh, not subplot, but like co-plot about these this drug trafficking thing and it's this whole thing it's very convoluted and unnecessary uh but with without that there wouldn't be a movie uh but it it really makes no sense and then they get even more convoluted at the end when shit is revealed but it does if you if you know i I'd say watch it because it's Marjo, but if you don't want to, just go towards the end and find the scene where Marjo is piloting this uh one of those boats that it's like a speedboat but it lifts. Uh Oh, okay. It's yeah. like a hydraulic thing and Hydro- it lifts hydrofoil. Okay, there you go. And so he's it's piloting like- this thing. He's going like 70 miles an hour across the ocean. He's heading towards Robert Lansing's yacht. And he, because it's on autopilot and he can't figure out how to shut it off. And it's it's very exciting, but it's very funny because Marjo is, of course, just, he's playing it at a 12. Greatest you know? actor in the world. So, of course. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, that's Acapulco Gold. And then we're still in 1976. This man got a lot of work, like, in spurts. And then by the mm. mid-90s, he said bye. Uh, the Food of the Gods. And so, Bradley, you saw that you haven't seen it since you saw it at the drive in when you were 10. I haven't, but I did uh, briefly skim through it the other day. And it's just about uh, it's about uh, animals that eat weird stuff and get giant, <laughs> giant animals. <laughs> uh, the 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 most unbelievable the thing is the, the best. Right. Well, the most unbelievable thing in this movie is that Marjo is a professional football player. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's the kicker right flag football <laughs> uh Chris, have you seen this Kristen? yes i watched it did you like it i did like it, it has, <laughs> this, this one mean, okay it's like a giant rat movie yeah what's not to love about a giant rat co-starring movie. ida lupino yeah and it also oh, has okay. ida lupino as a uh old lady who lives in a crazy cabin, old woman. but i love this subcategory of like older stars in genre movies oh, like, yeah. it's always fun to see them pop oh up. yeah we, does, we're big fans of that he gets to hold some giant maggots and yeah. fight mm. a rat at some point the rat big rats are cute that's what i have in my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> oh this also has a, a point where uh some random guy is riding the ferry and he just walks up to someone he doesn't know on the ferry and says anything happened today anything unusual and now that's something i want to just ask strangers on the <laughs> what it's a good good conversation starter what i think is is hysterical is that that ida and her crazy former husband saw this nasty ass goop just like seeping from the earth and they're like well, that, let's scoop this up and feed it to our animals that's my favorite part of, that's how the stuff starts he just like sees some white stuff bubbling from the right. ground sticks his finger in and puts it in his mouth <laughs> <laughs> the movie well, goes from there and, and then the the ending is just it's like so melodramatic and over the top that 
they, you know, everybody, well, not everybody, but the survivors escape and we think, you know, okay, that's the end. Everyone's safe. It's all over. But then, you know, the camera slowly pans down to, to the ground and that shit is seeping out into a stream, which feeds into a lake or a pond where cows are grazing and bathing and drinking. And then we cut to uh, a school, like a preschool class of kids drinking cartons of milk. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. Children will get bigger. <laughs> right. So I want to see that movie. Terrifying. I want I want to see the giant preschool children running amok. Uh, okay. So still in 1976. We're at another made-for-TV movie, and it's called May Day at 40,000 Feet. And I watched this. I think this was on YouTube. Anyone else watch no. it? Did not no. watch it. Um, it it stars. It's it's another sort of semi disaster movie. Uh, David Jansen, who was um, Richard Campbell in the original Fugitive TV show. Oh, okay. Is the is a pilot of this uh, passenger plane? Uh, Don Meredith, who was the Cowboys quarterback, and then he was like the Monday Night Football color commentator yep. guy, is in there. Uh, Christopher George, you know, genre movie God, who was in a bunch of Fulci stuff, uh, City of the Living Dead. He was in Grizzly Pieces. How could we forget? Uh, Ray Milan at the, uh, I mean, the Death's Doorstep is in this movie. And then, of course, Linda Day George, because her husband's in this. She's also great, but, and Marjo. But Marjo plays this criminal who is being extradited to New York. And so this plane takes off from Los Angeles. They have to stop in Salt Lake City to pick up Marjo and the U.S. Marshal who's escorting him. The U.S. Marshal has a heart attack on the plane. Marjo takes his gun and, like, shoots some people, including the pilot. Uh, and he also fires off a shot that hits, like, a hydraulic hose. And now the, the wing flaps don't work. And so... The main pilot is not dead, but he can't fly, and he's almost dead. And so Christopher George and Don Meredith have to fly the plane, and they have to land in Chicago, where it's there's a horrible blizzard happening, but they don't have the wing flaps. And so it's this, you know, uh, it's this whole thing. And uh, what else happens? Oh, the there's just like so much drama happening in this tv movie it's a total soap opera and i was in the exact right mood for that type mm. of story so i i i dug it talking about it and thinking back on it i probably will never watch it again <laughs> but uh you know it, if you feel like watching some melodramatic tv there's that and then <laughs> Then every every time I hear Ray Milan's name, I just think of him swatting bats. <laughs> you know, that uh, is the greatest like uh, like alcohol alcoholic withdrawal. Oh my god, thing ever. Yeah, just swatting bats. I used to use that term. I'd say like if somebody is super fucked up, <laughs> they'd say my friends go, "Hey, how are they doing?" I'd say they're swatting bats right now. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, Sorry. my good friend Dan 
can you introduce our next film from 1977? It's called Viva Knievel. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Viva Knievel, man. Okay, so, you know, I, I was born in 77, so um, I grew up, Evil Knievel was like, he was cool. I, I, he jumped over uh, the the Grand Canyon or some shit on a rocket bike. Right. I don't know. Like he broke every bone in his body, and his name's fucking Evil Knievel. Like that is awesome. But uh, you know, a lot a lot of that was all shattered after watching this. <laughs> <laughs> it starts out great because it starts out you know Evil is is. Uh, a friend to the orphans and the nuns. That is and... not great. That is terrifying. This grown man like coming into the <laughs> orphanage in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Bobby. You're right. <laughs> Hold on. Who wants to, who wants to get <laughs> evil? <laughs> Pretend you're still sleeping. You know, it's like, it's really weird. Uh, <laughs> nothing's worse than getting molested by somebody in like a a star covered <laughs> outfit with, with the helmet on yeah yeah um <laughs> so then God. it's terrible so uh, oh. a- after after that um i don't fucking know i tried so hard to understand this movie there's there's stunts and everything and uh yeah but know, the the stunts are like the least impressive he like jumps over this this small cage of like tigers and and lions, right. but then yeah, crashes. Like six of them. And you're yeah. like, what? What a really? This is the guy that jumped over <laughs> the got, Grand Canyon and he, he got scared by the tigers. Right. Meow. Uh, did ha, Bradley, Kristen, did you guys see this? Have you seen this? No. 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 Okay. Oh my god. Okay. I did watch the. Uh, I did watch the. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Circus of the Stars. <laughs> Right. That circus says stars. Was that the one? Yeah, it was. Yeah, where yeah. He, he did the yeah, motorcycle stunt. Jump. Yeah. Obviously much better than Evil Knievel. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it fucked up the first round, I think. Right, yeah. He cra- but, Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, Bradley, you, you do have to watch this movie. Okay, you've got to watch it because there's this, there's this plot point about Gene Kelly, okay? G- Gene Kelly's Jesus in this Christ. movie. I didn't even recognize <laughs> and, him. Late Aaron... Gene Kelly's great. Marjo, Marjo's the kind of working with the bad guys on this. He's he's, he's the, the rival, bad guys right? In right, and he's spiking, um, <laughs> spiking Gene Kelly's like iced tea with goofballs or something, and he goes nutso and gets and, put into like a mental asylum. Yeah, and that's what that's and then he actually has to stay there, right? And that's actually the basis for Xanadu. Because right. oh in, yes. in the mental asylum, that's what was going through Gene. Xanadu is happening in Gene Kelly's head in the middle of and, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is, yes, Xanadu and Viva Knievel. Fucking perfect double feature. I, this, <laughs> this movie's so fucking weird. It is. Well, it, yeah. Well, uh, he, you know, the Leslie Nielsen plays our big bad. And of course, in the 70s, this was before police squad and he became funny uh leslie nielsen but he plays the big bad and and they want to and his henchman his lead henchman is cameron mitchell of course uh and so they designed this bike 
that evil's going to ride and it's going to blow up and kill him and and they're using they're they're going to use Marjo as their patsy like stand in and everything and it is it, it's the most ridiculous story and apparently it was only because uh of that George um uh what the fuck is his name uh super tan George George Hamilton, Hamilton did the movie Evil Knievel, which is pretty good. He he did that a couple years before and Evil was pissed about that and he said, well, I'm going to do my own movie. And so he comes out with Viva Knievel and it's a giant freaking piece of shit. Well, and the other thing and, and again, this this destroyed a lot of my Evil Knievel uh, hero worship. Okay, <laughs> Evidently now I think it was it's Red Buttons that plays uh, evil, like kind of shifty, uh, no good promoter. Right. Well, evidently in real life, Evil Knievel had this shifty, re- no good promoter, and a few like months before this movie was released, he and his buddies like attacked him with an aluminum baseball bats and like put him in the hospital or maybe killed him. No, I don't think he killed him. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just say Again, they killed him. I was, you know, it's, it's all here. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to read the, 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 did you know? Did See you know? on our podcast, Anthony, when this actually happens, when we start looking up stuff, <laughs> we're just completely silent. So is that okay if we do that on your show? Okay. So the film premiered in June, <laughs> right? In June, 1977. I, I just know this stuff. So three months before Evil Knievel and his associates attacked promoter Shelly Saltman with aluminum baseball bats on September 21st, with Knievel losing most of his sponsorships and marketing deals as a result of the bad publicity, the film became much less, much less commercially attractive, opening in only four further international markets after Knievel's conviction. Right. So, yeah, it sounds like the guy lived. Evil was convicted of the baseball bat bludgeoning. So that was just that's a weird like sidebar to this movie. Oh. And of course, Marjo's uh, tangentially involved in, in that, you know, with being part of this movie. Uh, OK, we're going to move on. 1977, another motorcycle movie, Sidewinder One. This was one that I really liked. Did anyone else get to watch this? I t- turned it on to uh, give it a gander. Yeah. And uh, once again, it was one that I didn't get. I did not uh, get a chance to watch, but it, it looked pretty good. It is pretty good. It's Marjo and Michael Parks, uh, a young, delicious looking Michael Parks and Susan Howard and Charlotte Ray. Miss. Uh, uh, what's her name from Facts of Life? Who, who's who's, oh. who's the house mom in the Facts of Life? Anyways, Charlotte Ray. Um, she. Is this a popular film? <laughs> yes. Uh, Marjo and Michael Parks are like motocross riders, and they just got this new sponsor from this guy uh, who started this company that designed like a state of the art bike that can go, you know, faster than all the other bikes. And it's called Sidewinder One. And this guy ends up dying a tragic death. And now his sister owns the company and she just wants to sell and be done with it. But Michael Parks and Marjo decide we're going to go on the, you know, motocross circuit across the country. And so they go to different races and competitions 
all over the place. Charlotte Ray plays like a, a mom of one of the racers and she, she's super funny in the movie. Um, it, it's really, I mean, you got Michael Parks and Marjo who are two extremely charming guys, but they're on different, uh, like sides of the scale of charming. Michael Parks is like the quiet, collected, cool one. And Marjo, like he's the entertainer. He's the one that, that will do all the talking and they make a really interesting pair. And so mm. I really, I really enjoyed this one. I think this was on YouTube. Um, like, I, would you, would you like to see him get, get it on? Yeah, maybe? I would love to see them tongue kiss a little bit, at least. Yeah. Uh, Kristen is shaking her head. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. This, uh, we get to my least favorite Marjo movie, and I'm going to turn it over to Bradley to introduce 1978's Star Crash. Yeah. It's uh it's really uh okay. Without Marjo doing the robot voice, oh, he obviously was a robot voice. Right. So no, no, what? Yeah, he's a fucking robot voice. Yes, yeah, he's definitely doing a weird You can hear me. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, he he and uh, Candy Clark were married for about a year. Oh, look, real quick, do you want me to tell you why? Did you figure out why? It was like th- they met on, uh, where did they meet? They met on on a dating website. Yes, yeah, on a dating website. No, on on a movie set, and they're like, you know, it was a real brief love affair. They're like, oh, we love each other. They went to Mexico and got married and got back, and like the next day, they were both like, oh, this was a mistake. So. <laughs> Anyways, that's why they didn't end up together, Bradley. Go ahead, Star Crash, the greatest movie ever. <laughs> well, and the other thing that I found uh, kind of interesting, because this, uh, this is panned uh, pretty much uh, across the board. Like, even the most well-respected cinephiles do not like this film. <laughs> and uh, the... Uh, one of the things that it's panned for is Joe Spinell doing uh, having a voiceover, but it's the, from what I understand, Joe Spinell is actually doing his own voice, but it's not a Spinell voice. He's doing like this right. character, and it's like uh, basically, uh, it's a it's an Italian, it's a Luigi Cozy, uh, an Italian ripoff. They're like super good at ripping shit off like like three italian guys you know in the movie business we'll see a movie same week and they'll call each other and then like the next week in their shoot you know for like a ripoff version so it really doesn't quite yet understand what star wars was all about <laughs> i don't think yeah and uh so everything is extraordinarily stereotypical and uh the world's worst uh, animation, <laughs> hands down. I, I would like, like to uh, tell people go go scroll through the twenty uh, six MFH Pod Twitter feed and find Bradley's uh, gifts of the animation from Star Crash. It is uh, breathtaking. Well, I do th- I do this thing where I will occasionally take. Uh, a song from 
Oh, yeah. uh, the uh, Mishima, uh, yeah, Life in Four Chapters, Bill Glass soundtrack, and I will I will pair it with a, a really horrible action movie scene. And just to prove, and then some dickheads like, oh, it's some didactic fucking scale thing, and it works with everything. So fuck that guy. I thought <laughs> I think I I figured something out that was really special, <laughs> where you can take take this uh, one track, uh, actually multiple tracks, and play it, and then but you have to. <laughs> so the guy's right, actually. You have to slow the speed down slightly, and when you slow the speed down slightly, it works perfectly. But it kind of turns like this really bad, like a, a claymation fucking spray painted robot. Yeah, it's so bad. Yes. Well, it's. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the, one of the worst things ever. He's up. obviously ripping off uh, Jason and the Argonauts and Harryhausen's uh, that animation from that movie, but like a thousand times worse. <laughs> oh, but it's so bad. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, Spinell does nothing you know and he's so, he's so good you know so we it's don't true. really get any any spinel uh carol carolyn monroe and marjo were like super charming mm. you know they were were they you know what they were just because <laughs> seeing them in, on the screen together just just makes me happy you sure know, just looking happy. at them sure yeah, just looking at them. Listening to them, no, no, no. No, no. Uh, actually, the Monroe voice was done by Candy Clark, and obviously Marjo did his own voice. Really? So, uh, yeah, a lot of these, uh, Candy Clark did voices for this because what they would do is they, like a lot of Italian movies, they uh, they don't, uh, because they have so many international actors. They shoot, there. yeah, no sound, right? Yeah, they just uh, don't... Uh, don't she was sound in the overdub and this thing was banged out so so quick and uh it was um uh you know they had only had so many people that can that can do the voices yeah so mm -hmm. they had candy clark and monroe wasn't available to do, uh, the to do the voice gotcha okay interesting yeah so there's uh but actually some of the visuals uh i really do like like the rainbow stars those make me happy. Did did you? I couldn't tell if you're being uh, facetious or not. Like the shit he does with his hands. Do you actually like that stuff? Uh, it's super dumb, you know. But uh, it still looks it, cool. Yeah, it makes a bitchin' gifts. Okay, I mean, it's well, a very gifable. All right, let gif, yeah, gifable uh, movie. I got the frame I, is very like sparse but colorful. So yeah, it's it's true. Okay, I gotta jump in real fast here, Dan. You, yeah. On Letterbox, you gave it one star. Totally fine. I gave Did it. I? I, I gave it two stars. Don't Chris, trust his Letterbox Kristen, scores. Look at his why, dragon. Kristen obviously loves this movie so much. She gave it two and a half stars. Why? I, I don't think I. I don't even know if I've ever given any movie less than two and a half. Oh really? Stars. <laughs> oh, I think I have to freaking hate it. <laughs> yeah, because it has like a visual. I took like a it couple is pretty. screenshots. Yeah. Well, the the, yeah. the shots of like uh, the beginning when it's kind of tracking across the obviously model of a ship, but the fake stars that background is super pretty. I will give it that, and I do love Joe Spinell in this, but the rest yeah. of it is complete dog shit. 
and, and Bradley is right. Don't ever trust my letterbox ratings because <laughs> after rewatching it, I I like I didn't hate it. And I think the one star is undeserved. It's more of like a two star. Okay. Two and a half. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down <laughs> with that half star. We're like, I think you could, you know, it, it'd probably be better if you watched it with friends. You know, see, yeah, I'm not one of those guys who gives stars alone in your basement, right? Yeah, and it's like a lot of people give their. That's why star things are weird, right? Because it's all it's all based on personal stuff. Sure, yeah. It's yeah. like I wouldn't give that movie five stars. That's because, like, some dude like gives an extra two stars. Like every time there's equal amounts of male and female uh, nudity which is what i do <laughs> so the uh, movie always it has to be exactly equal though um but uh you know i think it's uh really it, if you're d- just starring on technical acting quality of filmmaking all that stuff yeah but if it's interest and you're interested in cult film and you're interested in dumb, fucked up film history, uh, then I would give it a three star. Just because I found it very interesting the whole time through. I was looking shit up, mm. you know, and uh, I was kind of laughing at stuff. There is that, and, that Luigi Cozy documentary, which I did not watch, um, but I would be interested in that because, uh, you know, he, he was you know, part of the Italian Kings of ripoff cinema. So I'd, I'd find, I, I think I would find that interesting uh, to see what he has to say about everything. Is he one of these guys who's like, yes, it's a masterpiece, obviously. Or is he one of the guys who's like, we're just trying to, you know, do our own version and did what we could. Who knows? Yeah. Right. We, we <laughs> needed, we needed Coke money. <laughs> exactly that's right they also in this movie they keep referring to a place called the haunted stars which i think is a good Ooh, oh band name i yes. think that's really cool yes good point Kristen. all right yeah two and a half two and a half stars i'm with you two and a half stars okay three <laughs> let's calm our tits please um okay Kristen. i'm gonna have you introduce the next one i uh Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume that we will all say this is the highlight, the best of Marjo's filmography. Uh, that is When You Come Back, Red Rider from 1979. Kristen, can you introduce this film? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I think this is in New, a small town in New Mexico. Um, the, the first bit is kind of introducing different characters around town there's like the gas station owner and a couple people who work in the diner and then separately uh we're following marjo and candy clark who are like some like disaffected uh 20 somethings are they they're in mexico and they're like i don't know what they're doing shooting people and smuggling cocaine <laughs> um and then eventually the their their car breaks down at this diner uh 
or in this small town in New Mexico, and then Marjo just terrorizes everyone in the diner for the next hour and a half or whatever. Uh, okay, so here here's another <laughs> film where okay, obviously Marjo is the he's the bad guy, obviously, but I sympathized with him throughout the entire movie. Like this guy, it, you know, went to Vietnam, and you know, so there's the first time his country fucked him in the ass, right? And then he and Candy Clark go down to Mexico. And then they're coming back and he smarts off to the customs guy and he's like, pull over, get out of the car. And then they do a, a cavity search. And so th- once again, his country is fucking him up the ass. I saw I saw that part as like him being a sadist, because, like forcing Candy Clark to get raped basically oh, by the... Oh, <laughs> shit. That's some wow. dark, dark thinking. Whoa. Good job, Kristen. <laughs> Thank they, you. Yeah, we need... We it's need... dark in here. because yeah because she's super nervous about them bringing cocaine across the border and he's like oh don't worry about it we'll just tell them we have two bottles of rum and then they come up and he's like we have two bottles of rum and a bunch of cocaine yeah grooming her is a crime sidekick yeah yeah that's getting huh wow i need to rewatch this now jesus yeah well uh, there's there's a look when Marjo's going through the cavity search. He's got this look on his face, and it, it's obviously just performance. But uh, where you're like, God, this I feel horrible for this guy because he cannot catch a break. And yes, he's making all of his own choices. He didn't have to smart off to the customs guy, right? Um, he, he doesn't have to terrorize these people in the diner, but. He f- he's this broken human being who feels like he doesn't have a chance. No one will give him a chance. And so what the hell does he care anymore? Mm-hmm. And so he just goes off on these people in the diner. And I love this cast. Well, first of all, I love that this is based on a play. How yeah. fucking crazy would this be to see on a stage? I think that'd be fascinating if they could do it, you know, well enough. But this cast, you got Marjo and Candy Clark, and then you got Stephanie Farsi, uh, who for me she was the mom in in what Great Outdoors, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Uh, so freaking good in this. She was incredible. Uh, you got Lee Grant and Hal Linden, of course. Uh, Barney Miller, right? Barney Miller. Yeah. Uh, who are a married couple, and she's a violinist, and they're going to a, uh, somewhere so she could perform. Uh, Peter Firth, Bradley, you you mentioned him. I would have never known he was, what is he, Australian or English? He's British. British, okay. Uh, he plays Red Rider, and then Pat Hingle as the mm. gas station owner guy. And it, this was one of the most intense film experiences I ever had. And I was just sitting there, unfortunately I had to watch on my computer, but watching on my computer, I was glued, and my heart was yeah. racing, and it, if a movie can do that on a freaking MacBook, uh, it's a pretty powerful movie. So, uh, was I right in assuming we all agree this is kind of the top of Marjo's filmography? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I hated it. No, I'm kidding. I knew it. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, you know, it it's funny with him because he, uh, you know, there's some of his movies like after watching. 
I mean, his acting job isn't as good, but I, you know, after watching Gun in the Pulpit, True. I realize how good he is at carrying a movie as kind of as good guy as hero character. Yeah. You know, and uh, in where you go when you come back, Red Rider is an anti hero. And um, he, uh, you know, I think this is proof, Anthony. Like, let me ask, before I say it's proof, let me ask Dan. So, Dan, and notice how I turned and I'm looking at Dan's picture now. <laughs> that that like works for how I have you guys yeah. set up on my computer, too. Yeah. So, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, question I have for you. Okay. Did you empathize with uh, Marjo Gordner's character? In, in some ways, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, and both of you guys, I got the same thing going on. I, I think this this speaks to, this very easily could have been like a mustache twirling. Uh, okay, it's the mustaches. <laughs> okay, no, it's the no. mustaches that are causing the empathy. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it it like if you saw this, so it, it was based on a play, and if you saw this at like a a bad community theater. Right. The the Marjo Gortner character it would be just be like I'm a bad guy I'm super right. evil and I'm a dick to everybody Boo, but hiss. I think right exactly I think I think you know you're right Anthony in that there's an element in him that you know is is broken and he's he's something along the way made him this way he's not just you know pure evil right. Um, you don't really know what that. I mean, you you assume it's the Vietnam stuff and everything, but you you don't know his his full backstory, backstory right. and why why he gets to this point. But you you know it's not that he's just a psychopath. Okay, now I'm going to look he at you, Chris, Kristen's picture. So Kristen. Oh no 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 no! You got to go further. <laughs> Kristen. Kristen. Yes. Oh, did you empathize with with his character? Let me just lean in and say, no. <laughs> okay. Oh, Yay. <laughs> okay. All it's right. the mustaches. Right. <laughs> Definitely mustaches. I mean, I, you, you already heard my read on that previous scene. So yeah, <laughs> and I true. Um, that's exactly true. Okay. Huh. And I, that's one thing that I found uh, that it really made me admire Marjo even more than just sexually, basically. Um, I, uh, I, he, he was awful. Yeah. He was, uh, sadistic, you know, from, from the beginning and like, almost like embarrassingly sadistic, you know, so he wasn't even like good at being sadistic, like <laughs> clever sadistic, you know, and, uh, like, uh, the, the scene where he was, he was telling, uh, what's the actress's name? Uh, that she was fat and Stephanie. Ferris. No, Stephanie Pharisee. Yeah, Stephanie Pharisee telling her that she's fat and nobody's gonna marry her, and she started crying. That's that's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, he's so good. She, yeah. Um, and I mean, really, it's got to be the mustache or something because I don't know <laughs> how. That at the, at least at that point you got to add to like, okay, Marjo, I have no, 
I, you know, I have, I have no sympathy for either. See, I, man, I'll, I'll tell you what I, I liked Marjo's character more than I liked Firth's character more than I liked Red Rider. I thought oh, Red Rider I was. A... I, I actually felt I, I empathized with Red Rider. Oh, okay, Dan, did did where are you at on this? Okay. I mean, I I think he did a, a great job. Yeah, I'm not talking him. about performances. I'm talking about like yep. the actual character. Unfortunately, I did. Again, I, I should just not read this trivia stuff because it fucked up Evil Knievel and it kind of fucked up this because Brad Dourif originated this role. Oh, shit. On, on, stage? on stage? On stage. Oh, fuck. Wow. And I just kept imagining brad dourif as red rider he would have been great but this guy played a much better greaser true yeah i agree with that you know i don't think i think dourif as a greaser might not have been as good actually i could see dourif more in marjo's role yeah you know and, and, uh, and well i'll say if dourif if dourif did play marjo's role I couldn't imagine myself empathizing with that character then thinking yeah, about be- Dorf playing that character, because I mean, we, we, we know how evil Dorf can play. Like I, I, I always go back to exorcist three and, and you know, when oh, it yeah. flashes back between Dorf and, and um, uh, Jason, uh, yeah. uh, what the fuck is it? Jason Miller Dorf is so scary in that movie. Yeah. He's really scary. And, and so I, I think about that as Marjo's character in Red Rider, Lyle, right? Stop saying uh, yeah. Marjo's character, Lyle. Um, <laughs> Dorif as Lyle would be like, I, I, I can't see myself empathizing with him there. But I, shit, maybe it is the mustache or maybe it is just Marjo. Who knows? <laughs> Duraf would have also uh, done well in Lee Grant's part. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine Duraf and uh, Hal Linden as like this this gay couple <laughs> heading off to the city to go to the symphony? Now that's a movie I would see. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but I definitely I do think it's uh, the best Gordner movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I do think it's his best acting, you know. Mm. But uh, did you uh, also uh, just let everybody know he produced a movie, right? Yeah. Th- yeah, this was his lone production credit, I think. Like he tried mm-hmm. to get into producing, and this was the only one that I he think had. he also was looking at it as a star vehicle, too, right? You know, and really didn't quite take off, you know, right? But uh, which. I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, I'll tell you. I think it's probably good. What's interesting is that this, so this is, this comes out in 1979. This plays like a more 74, more of the early cynical 70s type of movie. Right, because it's set, uh, it's set in like 68. Right. Yeah. So it probably was written. It's probably written. Right. Yeah. So uh, anyways, um, I know... 
oh, when I when I did my first kind of group of four or no, when I did my weekend of of Marjo marathon, what I call it, Marjarathon, uh, Cribs was like, you gotta watch Red Rider. Yeah. That like it's hands down his best movie, and so I, I changed things around for the next day and watch, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I was blown away, blown away. Um, okay, and then things kind of start to peter off for Marjo, and uh, uh, I think the rest of this will probably real quickly go through. Uh, the next year, there's one I would like <clears throat> to talk. About. Oh, of course. Well, yeah, there. I agree. Uh, in 1980, he stars in a musical for uh, a show called Showtime on Broadway or Broadway on Showtime where uh, Showtime, the Showtime network would show live productions of a Broadway, a current Broadway show. And that show was the Robert Bridegroom, which is kind of like a a Robin Hood type of thing. Marjo plays the lead guy and he's, He's like a Robin Hood character, and then he's also playing this guy, this clean-cut guy who is trying to get inside this rich family. And um, he sings, you know, he's charming. And I I like his voice, but, I mean, he can't. He's not a Broadway guy. He doesn't. Yeah, he, he needs to. I think it's too much in his uh, four-year-old preacher lane, you know, Broadway. Oh, you know, like it's very, it's very mechanical sure. and, you know, uh, using tricks of the trade yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched a little bit of it and I was like, I, I, I just don't have it in me. Yeah. This well, would be yeah. like having to sit through Willow or Peach Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did Dan or Kristen, did you guys watch this at all? No. 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 Okay. Uh, and then, uh, so that's 1983 years later, he gets to, uh, star opposite Bobby, how do you say it? Breezy, Brisset, Playboy sure. Playmate, Bobby Breezy in Mausoleum. And, uh, Bobby plays this woman called Susan Walker. She was possessed as a child in the opening scene. And then. Now she's grown up and uh, she shows her boobs all the time a and, lot. and the demon comes back and just starts killing people. So it's entertaining. It's, you know, it's eighties horror. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's super forgettable though. Oh, cause yeah. I saw it. I saw it like five days ago. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it a couple years ago and I, I really kind of hated it, but I knew that it was entertaining. It, it was one of those where I was, I was like watching. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. But I know that I know people will like this. And I think it's one of those things where like if you're 14 and you rent this at like a slumber party, it's going to be the best. It's, it's going to be it's the gonna coolest hit, yeah. fucking movie. Yeah. You're going to have a great time. But it's yeah, it's it's kind of bad. It's it, really, uh, you know, some of the yeah, effects are of, really uh, good. Yeah. Kristen, do you yeah, like this one? A lot of one? regrettable group masturbation would happen. <laughs> <laughs> God. I think it's weird that Marjo gets top billing when he's not True. the main character know. of this movie. I'm wondering how that happened. 
Um, and and, cool. and why not Bobby Breezy? Because she was a Playboy playmate at the time. Yeah, that, that is really interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. This fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's boobs yeah. and monsters. What more do you want? Exactly. Well, you know, I I think Dan, you're exactly right. Or was it? Who talked about all the kids <laughs> masturbating to? Oh no 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 no. Watch it, Dan. Watch it with a bunch of, you know, kids. Yeah. Uh, or not as an adult. When you're an adult, don't watch this with a bunch when of kids. When you're a kid, uh, you rent watch it, it with other kids. The, yeah, that's yes. right. Okay, I'm. I'm not trying. Yeah, to... I swear to God, I can't. I can't remember a fucking thing about this. I'm looking at the <laughs> images right now. I mean, what what's her name is? I, sorry, lady. I'm sure you're a lovely person, but she's super uncharismatic. She uh, is, the, yeah. And there's, I mean, it's uh, obviously they're just, you know, ride riding the train, yeah. You know, with the her her uh, scintillating par- uh, popularity to yeah. time, yeah. Which I thought was great because this is like I don't know what happened to Marjo. He dies you know, in a bathtub. Sort of, well, no, I there's the, I'm talking real life. Oh, real life. Okay, he yeah. dies in a bathtub. No. <laughs> oh shit! Stop it, dude. He's still alive. He's seventy-eight. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Please. <laughs> um, like if the if I if Marjo dies at three three thirty in the morning, I'm gonna like just shudder in my sleep and wake up screaming or something like that. It's, it's like that's how important he is. To me. Yes. But don't even make. Fun. Thank you. But anyways, uh, I think with uh, you know. It's it's just really uh, uh, interesting how he made this switch, kind of like to really trashy stuff. Yeah, you know, some good trashy stuff. Sure, you know, but how he went from you know when you come home, Red Rider, you know, it's like looking for almost like a, a an award winning. Yeah. Like an Oscar you know, type, right? Yeah, level of performance. I mean, did he get the you've? I I don't know if his documentaries touch on it. Guy's still alive. You could probably call him. I guess you. I mean, Harrison him. talks <laughs> about trying to reach him, and like he is absolutely unreachable. Harrison was able to reach his daughter, and she said, uh, "You're writing a book, and it's all fake news," and hung up on him. So it's like, oh, oh what the fuck is going so I hope on? He hasn't gone that way. Yeah, I know. But anyways, that scared me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like he he shows up for he shows oh, up for. An don't interview. say it. No, don't say it. Oh god, he's got a Trump hat right. on. No. Like oh god. And he says, "Well, I, I decided to get out of the movies because it was time to make America great." Again. No. Oh. Ah. God. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I wonder if there was a because he obviously. He's a smart fella, and he uh, is this type of guy who will make changes, you know, to his life, you know, based on whatever reason. So he might have been just like, fuck it. Yeah. You know, let's let's do this weird mausoleum thing well, with this naked lady. I mean, that that's one thing. And then the next year, <laughs> we're going to move on to this next one. Jungle Warriors is like super trash this is like i i I mean i it was entertaining i liked it but it was like marjo what are you are better than this 
you know, was he that hard up for cash or did he just want to hang out with, you know, the sexy ladies? I don't know. But maybe he had a coke problem. I always bet this time, 1984, 80% of situations could be blamed on cocaine. <laughs> True. Uh, so this is Nina Van Pallant, uh, Paul L. Smith plays our big bad. John Vernon. Oh, it's great. John Vernon plays a, a good bad guy in this. Uh, <laughs> and Sybil Danning plays Paul oh. L. Smith's sister in this. And th- they have a really weird, gross, incestual relationship. Uh, I'm watching it. But Marjo, Marjo is like, he's in charge or he's uh, the head of like some modeling agency. And he's flying a bunch of models down to South America. And they're oh, gonna fuck, do a, I've seen this. They're going to do like a shoot down there. Dude, I've seen this. But the plane flies over. <laughs> Sorry, it just hit me. <laughs> the plane flies over Paul L. Smith's like drug sanctuary. They shoot it down. Plane crashes. And then the girls and Marjo are kidnapped. And then like there is a brutal gang rape scene in the middle of this movie. And it's like, what? we don't need to see it like it can just be implied i mean it is real real brutal and then like things go along like you know the girls it's they want to break out a prison but they move past like oh let's just completely forget about this horribly graphic gang rape scene um but uh, paul l smith or i think it's john vernon has a great death scene at the end and i'm just gonna spoil it paul uh, paul l smith lifts him up into the blades of a helicopter and like you know chops him up it's really cool um but again it you know it's forgettable it's super trashy and i was left wondering why in god's name was marjo doing this but i'd watch it again (laughs) okay uh, did anyone else watch this? No. Bradley, when did you see it? Do you remember? I'm looking at it. I think it might have been another Models in the Jungle. Uh, uh, model Warriors in a Jungle movie. Oh, okay. Uh, there are <laughs> a bunch of really... There's uh, there's one... <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I've seen one with Sybil Danning that isn't this movie. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. I, Dan, I think it might have been uh, when we did the... Uh, that... Uh, show with Kessler. Who's oh, the director? oh, you're thinking of um, Nico. Oh, Masterakis. Like, yeah, you're yeah. thinking of Masterakis with the models, but they don't go in the jungle. I don't think. I they, think they do. Yeah, maybe, yeah it's know. the the uh, Nico Masterakis uh, movie, which uh, actually his movies are pretty good. There's yeah, a so. there's a Ted Nicolau. Girls in the Women in the Jungle prison movie called Savage Island that has Linda Blair as the top build actor, but like she's not in the jungle at all. She's just at the very beginning and the very end, like holding a guy hostage. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like telling the whole story. Right. right? Yeah. 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 That's a horrible movie. Horrible movie. Dan, it's Hired to Kill. Hired to Kill. Oh, oh, yeah. It's a great fucking movie. You're right, because that's got that guy, the guy who trains them all. Right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> this and I also and show. I got a little confused because hey, I you know also that one think movie? he's got that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I you guys have been podcasting together too long. 
<laughs> I think it also has a really unnecessary rape scene as well. Yeah, what oh, the fuck is up with that? That's why I was like, I, yeah. All right, all right. We're 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 going to move on to this next movie. Uh, Bradley, I assume this is the one you were talking about. We could spend uh, some time on 1985's Hellhole uh, with King Marjo and Queen Mary, Mary Warrenoff. Uh, also, Prince Ray Sharkey. He's real fucking gross in this movie. And Judy Landers, I don't really know her. Uh, have you uh, have you examined any history on Ray Sharkey? Uh, no, but I'm going to. I'm going to write. I, I'm going to write about Ray Sharkey. <laughs> oh fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is a real bad guy. Right. We we're talking about. Uh, do you think Marjorie Gordon is the bad guy? Right. Uh, Sharkey, uh, famously. Uh, had AIDS and uh, intentionally slept around. Yeah, and yeah, infected. Uh, convinced. So uh, at least he said he had an untransmissible version of AIDS. Right. You know, and uh, is a drug addict, intravenous drug user. You know, which doesn't mean bad person, but uh, but the. Miracle aid, <laughs> believing you have miracle aids, right. you know, while giving people <laughs> aids on purpose is not a cool thing. Miracle but, aids is is that like Kool Aid or 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 that's... also good band name? Yeah, miracle aids. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. So uh, the, Jesus uh, Christ! The, yeah. So, but Sharky's a fucking fascinating actor. Yeah, he is. That's why I want to write He's... about him. He's so fucking good and so fucking scuzzy. Yeah. And uh, and I guess he's, you know, maybe playing himself. Yeah. You know, I can... But this this movie's coded with scuzz, mm. you know, and it's got Mary Warnoff in it. Did you guys talk uh, about this one at all on your on your episode with, yeah. with Andrew and oh, yeah. LB? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the scene with uh, Warnoff. And Marjo, you know, giving a chemical lobotomy. Oh, God. You know, it's, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, they they are wonderful. Yeah, they should have just become like a, a couple and just done movies together. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Mary could do her like the comedic stuff with Paul. Right. And then she could do the psychotic, weird, super weirdo shit with Marjo. Kristen, uh, you've seen Hellhole. I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Oh, God, you should see Hellhole. It's fucking awesome. Um, It's in my list. Yeah. Uh, So uh, Judy Landers plays this woman. She's attacked uh, because uh, bad guys think, or she has documents that can put some other bad guy away. Ray Sharkey is the attacker. And she develops amnesia, and they throw her in a psych ward. And so then Ray Sharkey gets a job as one of the, like, nurse aides or whatever and and so so there's one part of the movie and then the other part of the movie is that queen mary and king king marjo are taking the unruly uh patients and they're taking them to the hellhole it, it's it's like the uh the outhouse where they you know they actually kill the dogs at the pound or whatever and they're doing these chemical lobotomies on these girls and it is a fascinatingly 
uh, I th- that's a perfect word, scuzzy, Bradley, scuzzy movie. And I love it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I think our friend and- Andrew Hawkins turned us on to this one, Dan. Yes, yeah, yeah he like jumped into a DM and says, hey, you guys got to see this. <laughs> and, I, and I watched it, and I, at the time, I wasn't really familiar with, with Marjo. Oh. You know, and he stood, he stood out right away. You know, he and is. that's that's what triggered my Marjo investigation. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, this is one I highly recommend. Um, all right, we're gonna keep moving here. 1987. So, so movies are becoming a little more <laughs> sparse here. This is two years later. <laughs> He's in The Survivalist, and this stars Steve Steve Railsback and Cliff DeYoung and Susan Blakely, and then Marjo. And so this one is special to me because this was one. There's no disc, uh, American disc. There, it's not streaming anywhere. You can't find it on archive. You can't find it on YouTube. It's you cannot find it. And so I I posted something on on Twitter. Oh, I I do want to find this though. I'm and, reading the synopsis. And, and so I put it on Twitter, and my friend Chris O'Neill, who we'll hear next week messaged me and he said hey i was just looking on uh okay amazon over here and he lives in ireland and in germany there's a there's a dvd and so i looked at it and it would have been like 50 bucks to ship it to me to the states so i said chris how much would it be for you to get it and he'd say it'd be 15 dollars total with shipping and the and the disc so i said okay if i give you half i'll give you eight bucks you buy the disc, rip me a copy and send it to me. And so he did. And I watched it and I was like, this was my white whale. I mean, this is what it's all about. We love hunting down <laughs> movies, right? And we yeah. finally get to watch them. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so fucking awesome. And it was not fucking awesome, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the idea of it. it just basically, gun. it's you know about kind of gun worshiping. Uh, characters it's yes it is i mean wow and this republicans will love this movie this might (laughs) be marjo's turning point this might when he started to become a trump supporter because (laughs) now we're we're really making up things (laughs) we don't know our truth you know when like when people turn you know it uh well he does so he plays another national guardsman so what happens in the movie is that a nuclear blom a nuclear blom uh in the in the film right am i doing it right yeah i'm getting my bradley down film Film. yeah a nuclear bomb explodes in russia russia blames the u.s and so world war three is imminent and so the u.s of course breaks out in riots and everybody's going crazy and wherever they are, Steve Railsback's uh, little town breaks out in this horrible riot. People break into his house while he's at work, and they kill his wife and his daughter. His son is away at camp somewhere. So he comes home, finds the bodies. I need, my, I need to go get my son. Well, martial law has now been enacted, and <laughs> Marjo is is sort of like the second in command enforcing this. Nobody leaves the town. They won't let him leave. And so 
Steve rails back, gathers all his weapons, and he gets his brother, Cliff DeYoung, and, and his brother's wife, Susan Blakely, and they head out of town. And now Marjo has it his personal mission to hunt down Steve Railsback because he broke the rules. And so he's flying helicopters and hunting this guy down. Um, Cliff DeYoung has, he doesn't want to go, so he turns around and, and unfortunately doesn't make it back, which gives Steve Railsback the perfect moment to sweep in in on his uh, grieving sister-in-law. And they make passionate love out in the desert. It is, it's not great. I'm glad I watched it. Um, but Jesus, Marjo's good in it. Marjo, I mean, Marjo's good in everything. But oh, I was like, what this, it was so disappointing because, you know, I'd been hunting it down. And anyways, uh, I'll gladly share it with you guys, though. Uh, and then we have another two year stint and we get to American Ninja three blood hunt. <laughs> uh, anyone watch this one? Yeah, I watched. It. Did you did you like it, Dan? No, no. <laughs> I mean, no, it's fine. It It's you know, it's an, well, OK, uh, no due to cough. Right. Right. So that automatically uh, like negative three stars. <laughs> um, right. Uh, but, you know, it was an American ninja movie. They fought ninjas. Everybody's a ninja. And, you know. And whatever. Marjo's the Cobra. It's yeah. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. I yep. think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was fine. It's kind, uh, of, kind of phallic sounding. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a American ninja movie, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it's not my, you know, whatever. Maybe I'll go watch if I've watched all the other movies, I'll watch an American Ninja movie. Sure. Uh, well, be, I'll watch American Ninja before I watch a Marvel movie. Anyways. Whoa. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. Steve James. I, I like Steve James. He's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, they kick some ass here. Uh, but yeah, Marjo playing a guy called the Cobra and he's like. Killing people and kidnapping people and trying to make these like super soldiers. And he's he, he's good. He's good as a as an evil guy. But yeah, you know, uh you start you really start to worry about Marjo and you're like, oh, this is it, isn't it? This is we're we're getting to the end, aren't we? <laughs> uh and so we get to we got two more performances left in nineteen ninety, Fire, Ice, and Dynamite, which was a wild fucking movie. It's it's written and directed by this guy called Willie Bo uh Bonier. Now, here's the thing. Willie Bonier was an Olympic skier, downhill skier. And when he retired, he went out to make uh, sort of a documentary of skiers, you know, like jumping off dangerous cliffs and shit and, and doing tricks and that type of stuff. Well, in the process of doing that, there was an avalanche and his entire film crew was buried and killed. And so Shit. he was brought up on criminal charges and prosecuted. <clears throat> Holy fuck. Uh, he was, you know, he basically just got a slap on the wrist because it, it was a manslaughter thing. But mm. um, so he goes out and that movie was called Fire and Ice. Now he comes out and he wants to make Fire, Ice and Dynamite. And it's this fictional story 
starring Roger Moore and Sherry Belafonte and Marjo and then tons of like pro athletes. And what what the deal is, Roger Moore is this like uh, super rich mogul who owes his creditors millions of dollars. And so instead of paying his creditors, which he can, he he has the money to pay them. He fakes his own death and he says in uh in his will he says whoever wins this giant worldwide competition called fire ice and dynamite will win my fortune and he says i want my kids to be a team but then so all these other corporations form teams comprised of like professional athletes uh and so there's like you know kayaking there's downhill skiing there's like it's it's like a bunch of extreme sports you know, jumping out of helicopters and planes and, and it's not extreme <laughs> with no parachute. You got to land on your feet is, is not extreme. Okay. Um, the movie is, is dumb as fuck. Marjo plays, he's like the sports commentator. And so like mm-hmm. every 20 minutes he pops in and he's like, and next up in the competition is blah, 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 blah. And he says what's going on and he's fine. Um, was he ex- actually ever like in a scene with other people or just always alone? No, just with one other person. So I, yeah. So then it was obviously shot separately. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the movie is, is really cool. Cause the stunts are fucking awesome. Cause these are real like extreme athletes doing that stuff. Okay. So it's, it's pretty fun to watch. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, but it's, it's, really dumb and the ending jesus god it turn it off before you get to the ending you don't need to see the (laughs) ending it's stupid and then we get to his final performance as of yet he's still alive in walter hill's wild bill and he's in the movie for like 60 seconds as a fire and brimstone preacher the movie have you guys seen wild bill no yes no it's interesting. Uh, I like how Hill kind of breaks up the present day in flashbacks with like overexposed black and white photography. But uh, yeah, Marjo's in there as a preacher before Jeff Bridges pops back into a flashback. Uh, and that was it. And like he f- just disappeared. Hmm. It's so weird. Hmm. I got a theory. Tell me. Okay. We're shouldn't all, all going to share share theories here, by the way. Yeah, you shouldn't have told me a story about someone wanting to interview and his daughter saying... I know, fake, I know. ...fake news. Yeah. Because that sent me on the trail. Oh, no. And then, so with the fake news and the survivalists being like a, uh, a, a Second Amendment opus sort of thing, <laughs> and the fact that that came out in 1987 which was two years before the expiration of Reagan's term as president. Yeah. Reagan was also an actor. Marjo uh, became uh, a Reagan enthusiast during that period. Okay. Decided to uh, uh, quit acting and start hating people (laughs) (laughs) and become a recluse. That's my theory. And I think it's pretty good. And I, I'm, I'm just doing a little research on Walter Hill 
and I'm suspecting uh, he might be right winger as well. Well, I mean, gosh, watch Walter Hills. And listen, I love Walter Hills movies. Uh, yeah. They're really fucking fun. And he's a hell of a writer. But it, it's hard not to glean, you know, some some things from his from his right, films. Right, exactly. And uh, so my guess, Marjo and James Woods right now are getting together and <laughs> writing, a, writing a comeback script. <laughs> it's going to be a, a buddy cop. Uh, well, like a, not a buddy cop, but a buddy, buddy ex cop. Now vigilante uh, sort of uh, sort of story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know where that's going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But okay. it's going to be set in modern times. Right. So there's all kinds of new like categories of vigilantes oh, to, uh, to kill. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, I've gone to I've gone to bat for Marjo so hard these past few months. Oh. All right, Kristen, what's your theory? Where's Marjo? Oh, oh God. <laughs> I don't know. I also wonder, like, like, well, how does he make money if he, like, if he, if he was acting and now he's not? I don't know. Well, in Harrison's yeah. book, he talks about fan conventions and, and he, he intersperses some, some interviews with people between his films. And one of the people, says uh they had reached out to marjo and said you could like come out to these fan expos and make a shitload of money doing this but yeah i i'm with you Kristen. like did he i mean did he save all his money while you know acting Pfft. who knows he's he also completely deserves to be left alone and disappeared from the public eye because right. of his freaking upbringing. And, but all right, Dan, what's your theory? Where's Marjo? Oh, I, I think, I think he's just, uh, he rode off into the sunset. I think he just, um, you know, we talked about a little bit after red Rider, you know, wasn't this, uh, you know, Academy award type, uh, thing. Right. I, I think he just sort of, petered off in in small roles and now he just he's just retired and and happy yeah Here, here's well, my here's my sorry, theory. I, I i i can't i can't think of marcho as, no, no, no. as as i you know what bradley painted i'm with as. you well, I, do, I do have one very positive statement to say on this after anthony well uh, uh two things one Marjo did while he was still working, he would host charity benefits for like animal rescues and White stuff. Nationalist groups. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, he, you know, so I was like, he's a good, he's a good human being. No, I think Marjo is in hiding um, mm. because the pressure really came on him uh, after he started you know, landing more roles in Hollywood, I think the evangelical right really started hounding him and coming after him. And he said, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I'm just going to go hide. So, and, and he's happy in hiding. Or and, he decided to join them. No, no, no and, and, and he's, and, <laughs> and he doesn't talk to his daughter anymore because 
She's one of them. <laughs> oh, right. there you go. Well, Phew. well, the thing, the I think the high point of Marjo's existence <laughs> is uh, that he, if you look at, I mean, really, I mean, there's, I can't think of anybody who played kind of a similar role where he uh, not exactly similar in same categories and everything, but same type of, of role where uh, he's essentially an honest participant in, uh, in a state of capitalism. Mm -hmm. So by him, you know, as a kid, you know, from four years old, uh, all the way through his career, you know, obviously making money, uh, making movies for money, you know, doing sleazy movies, you know, uh, trying to make a career for himself, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the, uh, the fact is, you know, his documentary, when he came out with it, he was killing his career. You know, he was charismatic enough to be a Kenneth Copeland. Hmm. I, I mean, he could have kept going yeah. if he wanted to, and he could be the dude with two, two, three Learjets, hmm. you know, and, and a, a bevy of, you know, naked pool boys or whatever he's into. So the, the fact is he is an, at least he's an honest he's an honest player you yeah. know and i think that's a in his care it, it was in his character not to be somebody who could consciously and right. without being tortured to do it you know go out and uh you know lie to people right well and you know which i think is really admirable for somebody with that fucking skill set and that proven skill set yeah I agree. I, I mean, the, the other thing which is interesting to think about is that there was a DVD release of the documentary in the early 2000s, and that was it. Nothing else. You would think this would be a documentary that was in, like, the Criterion Collection or something like that. Mm. Um, yet, nothing. Like, there's, you can watch it on Tubi TV. You yeah, know. it's one of my favorite documentaries. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean I think everybody should watch it. Riveting. But I, I think it's interesting he's gone from public eye and like this documentary isn't hailed as one of the greatest that, you know, millions of people have seen. Mm. So, yeah. well, it's a legit exposé. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's not a lot of uh, really good successful you know, docs like that. True. All right. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, hey, Dan. Hey, what's up? That was another Bradley thing for you. <laughs> hey, Dan. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for staying up till almost midnight for me, Dan. Oh, yeah. No, it's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Can we it. please wrap this up? No, um, no, I'm good. No, I, uh, we've been talking about this for a while and it's exactly how I thought it would go. So I had a blast. I thank you all. Kristen, great to be back. 
Yes. Yeah. It, it was great to, um, you know, Chris, and we've like, you know, interacted a little on Twitter, but it was nice to, to podcast with you and get to know you. Likewise. I'm a real person. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's start with Dan. Where can people find you online? Oh, I, I'm at Dan Pullen Books on Twitter. And that's probably the best place. Okay. And Bradley J. Cornish. I actually have a Twitter feed now. He's back. Feedback. Yeah, at, at Bradley J. Cornish. But I'm kind of going through a thing, you know, because it was gone long enough where 26 MFH pod kind of became my uh, thing. I right. Guess. Yep. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm just posting like uh, nudes and cat pictures <laughs> yeah. and, you know, pictures of like uh, sandwiches that I bought at lunch. I refuse you know, to like the cat pictures, but I love the like nudes that. and the sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, and and like that's uh, me standing in front of really mediocre like tourist sites, you know, stuff like that. I've gone to that sort of Twitter, but uh, my twenty six MFH pod is full of good stuff. It's, and it's uh, no and nudes also, over there. Yeah, yeah, it's occasionally, but they're movie related. <laughs> True, um, but they're um, I'm usually watching a movie. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> the. Uh, other thing that we do is besides our podcast, Movies from Hell, which is about five years old now. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we also have a website called uh, moviesfromhell.com where, you know, it's it's slow growing, but we have our uh, watch list from hell on there. Yeah. And the watch list from hell has all the movies that we talked about on the show. And not all of them because Dan... <laughs> Dan. Dan, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and uh, but uh, one job, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, you know, it's probably if we actually add them all, there's probably 700 flicks. You know, right now I think we're in the 500, something like that. You yeah. know, and we're yeah, damn pretty soon we're going to be up to our 200 show. Wow. You know, not too. Yeah. So, so we've been doing it. We're we're veterans. Man, I guess I think we're called yeah. veterans, sort of. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, uh, that's that's what we got going on, and uh, love doing it. I meet a lot of really nice, beautiful people, like Anthony and Kristen, who's wonderful. She, yeah. She's yeah, she's the best. A lot of fun uh, meeting you and talking to you about about uh, Anthony's uh, the greatest actor. That's right. That's no, everybody's kidding. greatest. Actor. I I don't really have a greatest actor. Marjo's hands down uh one of the most interesting if not maybe the most interesting actors true true uh and Kristen, where can people find you i'm on twitter at snail with an e on the end s-n-a-i-l-e and i like that and you can find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Movies Pod. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at AK Donnelly. That's A-K-D-O-N-E-L-L-Y. Uh, like I mentioned before, back next week with Mr. Chris O'Neill. And we're going to talk about our first adult movie of the podcast. Uh, Jim and Artie Mitchell's Behind the Green Door. It's a... Uh, I'd say Dan Dan Poland brings that one every once in a while. Brings that up on Joe. <laughs> it's uh boy, that's a that's a weird one, but yeah, you know, it's uh we'll we'll see what happens. 
Uh, we love having you on our our show, Anthony. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get you back again, Kristen. Welcome, welcome to come on as well. Right. Yeah, you, anytime. In, unless we like totally ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be on your show. Oh, yay. You won her over. Awesome. All right. Uh, listeners, thank you all. This was, I, I, this is, I think it's safe to say it's probably our longest episode. Thanks for bearing with us. But the man, the myth, the legend, Marjo Gortner deserves all the yeah, time in the 100%. world. Yeah. So thank you everybody for hanging. <laughs> <laughs>